Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And it's September, the late side of September. I do love September weather. It's so pretty here. It gets nicely uh, not uncomfortable. Like your door can be open, but it works. You have to have the heat on occasionally yeah, and the candle. And a like, little bit cool and a little bit mellow. You can wear long sleeves without wishing you were dead. You can, <laughs> <laughs> it's not very long ago. There was no hope for you in long sleeves, so it's nice. It is. It's really, really pretty. But one of the things that has been tickling me this year, this fall, is that because the Bible reading challenge, I am now associating the patriarchs with September. Mm. Like with this time of year, it's I'm the like truth. pumpkin spice, candles, discussing Jacob at length. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really fun and funny because since, well, no, we would always have conversations kind of like that, but but it is funny that we are picking up the phone to hash out the deets about how we feel about tricky work in the genealogies, (laughs) what might be happening there. How we feel about... Well, I think the key is is that we always read our Bible, but we weren't always in sync. Yeah. So as soon as you're in sync, you can call somebody up and be like... Have what you now again? Have you ever noticed that, like yeah. those things that are like little, little, yeah. like? Oh, yeah. I think it is so cool how every time you read it, it's adding a different layer well, of understanding to I it. Know. Like, and and we knew the Bible. One of the things we've said about the Bible reading challenge this whole time has been, like, don't worry if you don't understand something, you'll be back to it again soon. Mm-hmm. And this year starting it out again has made me think oh that was real soon yeah like real fast did we whiz yeah. out the other end and get back to the <laughs> patriarchs again it just seemed like well that happened fast but it it does um one of the girls who was at our uh, parish discipleship group last night said that last year she listened most almost she had a newborn she listened on audio the whole time and mm-hmm. it was a fast pace and she felt like she was really not getting very much out of it like mm-hmm. whatever and she said she's still listening on audio and when the camera started again that she's mostly being surprised by how much she did get oh, out of yeah. it like where you're like no actually I actually kind of have my bearings and mm-hmm. I kind of know what's and that's a that's yeah. fun fun to see that's great well I do love honestly I think the genealogies are so interesting and I know that can be a sort of a time that people get bogged down Mm -hmm. but I don't know I think those are just well they are cool and and one thing that I well I already said this guy this is like my day of repeating myself I think because I went and did I did the Facebook live well, video. this isn't the same group. I know, but I'm saying I, I feel wasn't like in I feel like Facebook I'm, I just live. told you guys this, and then I'm like, well, no, I didn't. But I feel like <laughs> you I'm, didn't tell me. There's probably three or four people who will hear both and be like, she's just a one wonder today. This is all she can talk about today. Um, but the but the the big discussion in the group about have, about was Rebecca and Jacob were they in sin about deceiving Isaac. Oh yeah. And and I think it's just interesting of God to not not give us all of the details. Like to not fill in every facet of the story. Mm-hmm. And it is not as clear 
as like then there's those stories like Abraham you know sacrificing Isaac getting ready to sacrifice Isaac uh-huh. where you're like as blown away by his behavior but it's totally clear what God thinks of it yes so there's no arguing with that because no. it's like and then the angel says good job Abraham and yeah because like, if that detail had been left out what would we think of that incident we'd all be like Abraham, Abraham it's not all right to kill your son yeah. Abraham like <laughs> and and you should not have yeah. done that and that wasn't you know you'd feel like but it, except for he was told to by God yeah and congratulated for his obedience and if those bookends weren't there what would we think of Abraham nothing good no no so it's interesting though that I some think, of these things are left yeah but I do think we are pretty quick on the trigger to judge the ancient saints in ways that I don't think we really have any no, any platform. Well, I think if you're talking about someone who has specifically had words from oracles and like if they've specifically mm-hmm. had, talked with God, if they've done that. Like you think of Abraham that whole time with the covenant with God, where it's like it fell into a, a horror and a darkness. Mm-hmm. And then God, like, makes this covenant with him. And, like, you think anyone who's, like, been through that, yeah, known God like that, pretty sure is out of my depth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not yep. not yep. the one I'm getting. But I do critiquing. feel like we're pretty quick on the trigger to be like, oh, 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 I know this one. I yeah. know this one. You're not allowed to do that. Yes. You're oh. not allowed to kill your son. I think, or, or things, because there's a lot of stuff that is, that is un... It is not fleshed out. Like, the stuff about Sarah being mean to Hagar, where you're like, that's that's just tacky, Sarah. Like, that just seems yeah. tacky. But it's not fleshed out like... Like, God says, do as Sarah says. Mm-hmm. For I'll make Ishmael. It's not fleshed out like, why was Sarah doing that? What was Hagar like? Why was this a conflict? How did, We don't and the know. Fact, like, Hagar is an Egyptian woman. Yeah. And we don't know what kind of a person she was. And we but, are told that Sarah is identified as one of the holy women of old, you know, that mm-hmm. we are supposed to imitate. We're not called to imitate like Hagar. Like be like one of her daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. So God... There's always a new facet with the OT. <laughs> you're reading it, you're like... I just think we mm. should be pretty hesitant to patronize the patriarchs. <laughs> well, isn't that the truth? I was and recently, the matriarchs. I was recently both. talking to a feminist... A and um, a evangelical, I guess, feminist, and uh, she is all about smashing the patriarchy. And she asked me that question. She asked me, "What would you kind of like?" I think she was thinking I'm living in a major bondage to the patriarchy. So she was oh. saying, "What would happen in your life if you rejected the patriarchy? If you just..." The patriarchy being kind of like just a uh, scare a social quote. construct. Just like yeah, like <laughs> the patriarchy, the oppressive. Because she she does want to smash and destroy the patriarchy. And um, what would it be like for me if I like did that? You know, <laughs> if I smashed it up and <laughs> left it. And I'm like, I actually can't even begin to answer that question. But partly because I'm like, I was like, well. I mean, I'd be going to hell. Like, I can't, I can't go back that way. Like, I can't go there. 
And like, there's no way. And I, but the thing I told her is that it's not that because the patriarchy is not just the patriarchs. It's the fact that at the center of all of reality and the universe is God, the father. Yeah. And like, that's the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. all of these lesser men fathers in history are only a reflection. Like we don't, we're not, we're not subject to them apart from the fatherhood right. of God. Like, right. and that that's what we, that's the point. So I'm like, right. so it's kind of like saying what would happen to you if you were an atheist and you know, like to me, it's like, oh, that's really way too fundamental. Yeah. We can't yeah. imagine life. Yes. Without that. Totally. Kinda like Totally. But uh, I do think it's really easy for us to be smug little moderns and just look right down our noses at those same. Not always smug. Sometimes just having our little goggles on. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're not necessarily having a bad attitude. You're having a littleness of mind when yeah. you read it, which is that that you actually have any real concept of what life was like no. for these people or what because, was going on. And sometimes I feel like it does pay to get out a little bit in terms of reading up on that ancient world that they were that they were a part of. I feel like that's a really fun part of like the class that I teach on ancient history, like some of the stuff that we have to read. It does give you this this sensation that oh my gracious. Even like the fact that um so Rebecca was um and uh, and um Isaac both were sort of bemoaning the Hittite the uh wives yeah. of Esau. Now the thing is is like it's probably not have, a little deal. No, you have two Hittites for daughter-in-laws. You've got a couple of hardcore ruffians on your hands. Yeah, I think. and and probably some massive idolatry, and and later at least, I mean, because we don't know, we're not told everything that they were involved in at that moment. No, we don't know. But but later on, these are the people groups that they're supposed to wipe out entirely, right? Like, so, but like, um, the fact that. But, like, the, child sacrifice and yeah, yeah, truly yeah. Oh, horrific yeah. things. It's not like it's not like Rebecca was necessarily being petty no. to say, my life is not no. worth living if I have to be with these women. It may be that they were really They may have been, that. you know, wanting to yeah. sacrifice Rachel's grandchildren to Molech. You know? And you wonder. You say, like, was Rebecca being too tender? With her own personal space there? Probably like, not. Probably not. This is probably not a dispute over the tiny details. No. No. And, and it would also, <clears throat> I had to say, if this is, this is, I would need to, I, well, I'm going to say it anyways. I need to double check that I'm being accurate, though. You can tell me if I'm not. Esau, <laughs> it's Esau's wives. Yeah. And then he goes and marries one of Ishmael's daughters to kind of yeah. try to please his father. Yeah. Right. But, but there's this fact that Esau seems to have already been out and about and at it with the pagan women, right? Like, well, he's married, got a couple he of married wives, to yeah. The, yeah, or were they, yeah, whatever. He's married to a few of them, and he's been out doing that kind of thing, which, which also puts, if you say, if you know that pagan religion, it puts a very different effect on God saying, Esau, I hate it. You know, like yeah. Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. And when Esau gave his birthright away for stew, he despised what God was offering yeah. him. And he pursued a totally different path. So it seems to me like that we tend to think of it. And it is true that there are a few things as painful, 
I feel like in scripture, like Esau, that whole crying out, like my father, yeah. like, do you not have a blessing for me? Yeah. It's very hard to not see that as a very emotional moment. Oh yeah. But, but you know, like, but you think except for if Esau was sort of the villain, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, well, and but, what but we, we do know, know he was the, we do know he's ready to murder his brother. Yeah. And we do know that 20 mm-hmm. years later, Jacob's still worried that he might be ready, ready to, to murder, murder him. him. Yeah. So he was at least a believably murderous person. Yeah, and his mother thought he was. And his, his mother, mother was like, oh, because I overheard yeah. him planning to murder you, yeah. you should get out you of here. You should get out yeah. because Esau is coming for and you. And he's the kind who will. Yeah. Is that? It's he's a plausible believable. threat. <laughs> and he's married to a couple of presumably very idolatrous women. Yeah. We don't know this for sure, but... They may well, have been lovely, sweet Hittites, but no, I don't think so. I don't think so. so because Rebecca can't stand her life no, with them. No, Which makes you think that they can't have been real godly. No, and I think if you're feeling like Rebecca was over-dramatizing on that subject, just have a quick peruse through Herodotus. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, just think of what kind of a noble, crazy, brave woman she was at the outset of that marriage. Oh, I know. Like the fact that she was like, the Lord called me, all right. Yeah. I will go with you to the foreign land with the man I don't know who I will marry. You know, like... Yeah. It's not like he was showing her a portfolio of him and a picture of Isaac. and who's, You know what I mean? Like she was trusting God in a massive way yeah. then. And it makes you think, why would we think she couldn't handle a little obstacle later? Yeah. Yeah. And, but I just mean... Sorry, like, go to Herodotus. No, Herodotus. You know, you're reading about these these ancient people groups... And he's just full of remarks about here's what they eat, here's how yeah. they dress, I need to read here's what they this. do in the temples. This is, you know, where their rivers are. It's, it's really kind of like a Rick it's Steves. Like, that's what I was just gonna it's say. Like, it's Rick, it's Rick Steves, Steves of the ancient, of the world. ancient world. Yeah, but it's <laughs> but boy, does he drop stuff that you yeah. go like, oh. it's like so. And then what they would do is flay their victims and take the skins and sew them into little awnings for the king to sit beneath an awning of human skins. And you're like, oh, did they? Really? Is that the kind of people we're talking about? So then you say, well, what if, what if that wasn't the Hittites, that that was was the the Scythians, but it's still, I'm just saying I remember from Herodotus, the, the practice of temple prostitution. Oh my gosh, in, that was in Babylon. In Babylon. But that every woman had to be a temple prostitute. You had to go be had to put a in temple. A stint. You had to do a shift. It was like getting getting drafted into the military, but you had to go be a prostitute. And their system to be a you had to sit on the steps of the temple and tell some man would throw a coin into your lap, which was your call to go yeah. prostitute yourself in the temple. But the Which part, I'm just going to say, we don't even want to envision what, what kind of things going on after that. Well, yeah. well, I just mean like what a visit to that temple would be like. Absolutely vile yes, is what it yeah, would be like. Yeah, beyond. Beyond. Beyond vile. But then, but then there were the women that Herodotus mentions on the side who were unattractive and consequently... They were had to be there until they uh-huh. were taken as a prostitute. It's tragic. So some of them spent years and years and years sitting on the temple steps waiting for someone. Which is like, it's almost... Can you even imagine that? It's like the pool of, of um, what's it? Salome? 
Yeah, except for except, except tragically, for, except for there's no angel and there's no, no healing, and you just wait. But you forever. just feel bad for that man who's just right there, but he can't. Yeah, get he out. can't get into the pool. No. But then that's the thing with this one is you're like you can't get out of the cycle of having to prostitute yourself no. at the temple because every day all you're doing is waiting to have to prostitute yourself. It's at so the bad. And he just kind of mentions that as like some of the side effects of this. There's like mm-hmm. this people group mm-hmm. that are never chosen. And you're just like, oh, my word. And this is one of the reasons why I think it is. Well, you just, you think like the ancient world was about, I mean, it was far more rugged than anything we have experienced. You know, like it was real bad. But it is helpful to read those kinds of things because it puts it in a different context. Yes. And so when you realize that, wow, actually Christ's coming made a difference. Christendom made a difference. The fact that the church has worked its way out into the world mm-hmm. like a mustard seed or the yeast in a loaf. Some of these things have come to pass. Some of our mm-hmm. troubles are, we still are vile people. We oh, are. Oh yeah. And, but, and in many places people trying to revert to more and more yeah, vile ways. It's true. And we've got all kinds of problems, but it hasn't. We got trouble enough quite. as it is. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> quite. We have not made it back to the Hittite ways. It's like, no, Donald Trump has his troubles, but he's not sitting under an awning of human skin. It's like... Let's just all say thank you, Jesus, that he came and that this is not what we are currently dealing with. And so I just mean that, like, when you imagine that Esau picked up a couple of Hittites and then Rebecca (laughs) is feeling afflicted about it she might have had good cause (laughs) there might have been reasons all we're saying is okay but in the in the genealogy it's super cool how uh the genealogies are important but it was very early on that the people had a sense of the messianic hope you know like that this line matters because because this is the hope it's been since adam the seed of the woman and then and then they're anticipating that and this then seed. this is it. This seed. This and, is the and not Ishmael. It's going to be Isaac. And then Isaac prays, you know, after all those years of barrenness, 20 years of barrenness, mm-hmm. God gives them the twins. And this is another thing. That was like when I was pregnant with the twins, that was, it was an all too appropriate verse where Rebecca says, if all is well, why am I like this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I felt like my life slogan at the time was that, but, but. Except for it wasn't normal pregnancy situations because she goes to inquire of the Lord and the Lord says there are two nations wrestling in your womb. Yeah. And it wasn't just babies kicking. Mm-mm. Things were happening, which yeah. as an aside, that whole bet that Esau is born and that Jacob is born holding on to Esau's like heel. Yeah. They weren't, you know... That's not a that's not a smooth birth story right there. <laughs> no, no. That, I just like to bring it up that having a child come shoulder like that. Like, oh, man. Holy moly. Jacob yeah. started it out rugged and he kept yeah. it rugged for his well, life. Well, Jacob's whole, everything is dominated by wrestling for Jacob from the womb yeah. onwards. Yeah, and it's interesting because you can't quite get your head around it, what he's up to. But God clearly was very present in his life. You know, he's having all of these... Mm-hmm these interactions with God and the only person as far as we all know to to wrestle with you know like what an interesting but see that's the thing is that like he actually had to wrestle 
both his brother and his father for the blessing that he had been promised that since, from God that he was right. he was chosen and he that. had to wrestle his brother he wrestle his father and then wrestle God himself and for a blessing to, and not to mention Laban well yes for his wife like yeah, so he had like to wrestle he, for he that he did not have a smooth time no but no. then he had to literally wrestle God and say I won't let you go till you give me the blessing and, and that God wanted that from him yes that's the part that's so interesting is that yes. you're like hmm that it was like we I will give yeah. you the blessing that I want you to want like that and I was telling I mentioned this to Becca earlier the whole idea of Jacob's ladder which I don't totally cap I don't you know it's a little hard to really get a understanding of that kind of thing but like but the ladder is itself not a symbol of it's not like, oh, there's a stream running to you of blessing. No, it's, it's not like, like... I want you clawing your way up this thing, us. like fighting for me and coming. It's, it's and... not the water slide No, it's, it's not like, oh, look, it's shoots and ladders. Oh, yeah, it's not the shoot, it's the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you actually have to struggle and yeah. fight for this. And it's just it's a, it's an interesting... The whole thing is fun. But what I was going to say is, so, so then we have... If I can, it's, it is in that, um, the twins, then Jacob, it's going to be the blessing is through Jacob. And then it's Judah, the son of Jacob. And then it's Judah denying the, the, to Tamar and by not giving Tamar his youngest son, right? When she, she had a right to the, to that. And then she does one of those moves of scripture that leave us all breathless <laughs> where she tricks Judah into sleeping with her because she's demanding the blessing of that. The promise. The promise. The like seed she's saying, of promise. She's saying, I had a right to this that you are not giving mm-hmm. me, which is remarkable. The whole situation is a bit of shock and awe on that one. <laughs> and then, but then God gives her the twins, Perez and Perez and yeah. something with Zimri. Is it Zimri? Is this- starts with Zeref, Zeref and Paris. Paris. Okay. And so then that's the question of which one of them will yeah. get it. Go on rogue on this. This is what I like while she's telling you this, while she's looking this up about Perez. Um, if you do the math on the genealogy right after the flood, you actually discover that Noah lived long enough after the flood that Abraham was 70 years old when Noah died. But anyway, the thing is, is that Abraham in Ur could have gone and talked to Noah and definitely could have talked to Shem because Shem lived a good long time also. So that's the other thing that's totally wild if you think about it because you have Shem who's saved from all of the, well, and Noah, from all of the vileness before the flood, they saw that. They were saved through it. They saw the destruction of the entire world. And then by the time they die, the world is already back in this awful, like, wars. And, you know, because you have, mm-hmm. like, the re- right around the time that Abraham left Ur, it had been, like, decimated by the Elamites, right? And right. so, but you're like, but Shem was still alive. And these were his, his, his own descendants are, like warring and fighting and sacking each other's cities and they've gone right back into idolatry in like no time flat it wasn't until we're having a disruption a child visit what jersey what no no run in the in the lawn that's an awesomer place to run 
I think he did, but I want you to go back up in the lawn, okay? <laughs> he just... That is a good question. Can I run around in the parking lot from Moses? <laughs> Probably not. Probably it would be better if you didn't. But I just like the idea of, like, you start doing the math, and it's like, oh, There's my so goodness. Much weird you stuff just happening. start trying to imagine, like, because they put all the ages in there. So you can do the math. You can just get out, can, a, like, a get out your calculator. And, and you can out. be like, weird. Weird that Shem was still around. Weird that there were people at the time of Abraham who still could have told you what the pre-flood world was like because they remembered it and they yeah. could have and that also makes you realize that all the things from like it's later on that the people are forgetting everything when they keep losing the law and stuff you know what I mean when they're like well I, I mean they presumably they forgot it pretty quick on this one too because God yeah, made but, a co- covenant right bang out of yeah, the ark yeah. I think I meant though and then that, it's that, like two generations down they're trying to whiz up Babel and so yeah. that didn't take any time before we had hardcore idolatries yeah. running amok. Turns out the human heart is not the thing Deceitfully to bet on. It's wicked. <laughs> it's not the one to go with. <laughs> but yes, anyways, I've I've been enjoying it going back through all this. You're like trying to track the whole like like partly understanding the genealogies and the importance of the genealogies is so important because of Understanding the context that these stories are in, right? That this was not a little deal. Like no. this was this and was, and it's important. not like a weird collection. It's like I think it's easy to view the Old Testament as a weird collection of assorted, like, tales that don't morality really, tales that or don't something. have any pertinence to each other. But the th- the truth is, it's like those genealogies are like the skeleton because yeah. they're giving us the line. From Adam all the way to Christ. Like, there's a reason that Matthew We're opens with tracking. it and Luke yeah. opens with it. It's like, it's really, really important because God promised Eve mm-hmm. right at the very beginning a seed that would come. Mm-hmm. And then that seed was preserved and it was fought for. And there are all these heroic women who, in faith, are fighting for that seed all the way through. And it's rugged and it's bad. I mean, it's, but it's bad in a way that you think about in that world. What was it like if they understood, you know, what, 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 how much did they understand about what God's plan was? But like you said, it was at the curse that says it's the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. Yeah. They were very aware of the serpent. Yes. Like these were not people who did not see the devil's influence in the world. Right. (laughs) Like, like, no, they were aware of the serpent. And so when you think about their, their like Lord come, their messianic hope. Of a savior, yeah, but that you—they didn't know how long it would be. No, but, but they knew they, that it was this line, and it mattered, and it mattered, and that the <laughs> fact that they were that there were people willing, so many of them willing to give their lives in in crazy but it was ways kind of like, to try to I get. I know it. that God promised through this line a seed, and I'm the woman that's supposed to carry it, and that man is not letting me do it. He's not letting me do it, and also. It's not like I just want a baby for my own no. snuggle time. No. I want to save the world. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, And so you're thinking, and if you're that woman and you're thinking, we need this child yeah. to overcome Satan, <laughs> then I think it makes more sense. Like, the, at the level, the scale of action... 
matches the scale of what they were trying to overcome. Exactly. Well, I think that, like, we tend to think of somebody who, I've decided that it's time. We're going to start trying for a baby. We're going to think about a baby. We think we're ready. I think I'm ready to decorate a nursery. No. No. This was not that. This was very not that. And I feel like, you know that really obtuse verse in the New Testament, wherever it is about um, she will be saved through childbearing? Yeah. I feel like those are women for whom that was very much the case because this was the line of salvation Mm -hmm. and they knew it and they knew that like it has to be me because I'm the woman standing right here right now and by golly I'm gonna get it done (laughs) (laughs) so but it's like Rebecca knew it and she then saw her husband trying to yeah. to put a kink in this hose and mess this whole thing well, up. Well, I was thinking about and that. And then you have Tamar, who's like, it's bold. me. It's she was me. Bold. And I... And the, she was like, how dare you? Well, yeah. Like, you... Because you don't get to just opt out of me carrying this child. Exactly. And then you have... And she's crazy because she would have been okay with it being Judah's last son. Uh-huh. But because Judah would not give her his last yeah. son, she's like, she's well, like, fine then. It'll be yours. Fine then. You're having another son. And, <laughs> and, and how did she, I mean, of course, the faith to know it would be a yeah, son. Like, I know. To know that this is, is like, amazing. This is what we're doing. Uh-huh. And so you have all of these examples of these women. And then down to Ruth, who actually like really takes matters into her own hands also. Oh, boy, (laughs) boy, diggity did she ever. You have all of these, these ladies in the line of Christ who were fighting for the seed and it actually really mattered that they do it. And it didn't just matter. The thing that you were making the point about, it didn't just matter to them. It matters to all the world. Like this was a sacrificial work and a calling that they were like, this is, yeah. I this is yeah. what I'm called to if do. If we read it like you said through our little goggles. The little goggles, like the littling goggles, <laughs> the ones that make everything seem petty. But petty I just and mean, felt bored If we if we look at it like that, then it's very easy to like tut 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 about the way they were behaving. And I just Totally. Don't and think... it, and it's also important to note that like the Jews, why did the Jews reject Jesus? You know, like, why was that? And it it was not because they weren't hoping for a Messiah. It was because they had a different idea of what the Messiah would be like. Right. But right. they were still hoping for a Messiah to come destroy the world. Yeah. Like, they were still like, we see the serpent. <laughs> we have the, you know, like, they yeah. were, they just were looking for the wrong weapons. Like and they, they kind of lost the thread a little bit. They did. Bit. They lost track. Well, but with they, all that captivity for there was idolatry. A few, there was some stuff that went on there. But the, but the point being that it is not, it is one consecutive story from the fall of man to the seed of the woman through the whole Old Testament. But I just also find it staggering that, like, Jesus had a genealogy that went back to Adam. That they actually knew. knew. All the way to Adam. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's 4,000 years of human history, including and, a worldwide flood and now that we're demolished bringing, everything. And now we're bringing in DNA evidence to try to find out who we were like three generations ago. Yeah. Like people are not yeah. sure about. But it's yeah. also sort of like we have the internet. We have DNA uh, 
testing, mm-hmm. and we have the Mormons, and we still can't find out. We still out. struggle to figure yeah. out where we but come from. But it's like you've got these people. Yeah, they were living in tents. It's true. On the other hand, they could keep a record for 4,000 years. They were doing something a little 4, more. Yeah, it's amazing. It is crazy. And then we read over that, and we're like, oh, I'm so what bored. What a drag. I'm so bored. What a drag. Real this. bored. Although this time, this time <laughs> through, I've been feeling the need for a big map on the wall and start charting out the action. Because I'm feeling I, like yeah, I agree. I am struggling a little bit with this because locations. You mean? Well, sometimes it's locations. Sometimes it's just you realize you're not really super solid on what exactly we're talking about here. Like, um, like the whole thing with Noah when Noah gets drunk. And well, that gets real. Here, can Canaan. I tell you about this? Because here's my thing. Can you not wait to tell me about Noah's drunkenness? <laughs> I cannot wait to tell you about this. I think there's something double dog devious happening in that yeah, story. Yeah, we had a ton of talks about this yeah. this time through. And, well, really, I missed those. But, Luke and I did. Oh, I wasn't did. thinking Because uh, the thing is, is that um, the he gets drunk, so it's a sort of similar parallel story to Lot, who gets drunk in the cave and is asleep, you know? Yeah. Um, but whatever happened there, I think it's really... Well, there's a couple things. One is he's his nakedness is uncovered, which is a I find that to be a sort of worrisome phrase when you put it in context of the law because Leviticus says all of those times of preventing immorality, it's do, you may not uncover your father's nakedness or you cannot right. uh, this is to it uncover the nakedness says, of your mother or whatever. It says to Un, or to uncover the nakedness of your father's wife, wife. which is uncovering your, your father's father, yeah. nakedness. It actually, that's the terminology it uses. Right. So that's so the way it's, I just think it's clear but from then, the response levels that it was this was deal. not, I saw my father in the nude. Ha ha ha. Something else, I think. There was more going but on. But then, um, it's, it, he calls out in that, in that story, um, Canaan, it's Canaan is the son of Ham. Ham's the one who apparently sees this, but then no one knows what his younger son had done. Yeah. And so he curses Canaan. He doesn't curse Ham. Right. And that's. And then so he curses one son. I have a theory now. Well, I but I have something to say about this. Do we have the same yeah, theory? I don't know. Okay. But tell the me, thing is, is Canaan is obviously the father of the Canaanites, right? Yeah. And what. Um, who are not the winners? No, but that's that's the land of promise that yeah. is full of wicked people. And Canaan is the father of those guys. This is uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? I mean, yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah are right on over there. And um, so you have Noah curses Canaan and says that Shem, you will serve Shem. And then we follow the line of Shem down and it's Abraham. And Abraham is taken to Canaan and he's told, you're going to inherit this land. Right. And the first story we get is Sodom and Gomorrah. So right. it's like vile sexual wickedness happening. Yeah. That's the first glimpse we get of Canaan. Of how is, things have gone there. Is vileness in Canaan. And we're told that Canaan was cursed to, to serve Shem. And then we follow Shem's line down and it's Abraham and, and he's brought straight across to look at the land. How it's gone. The with, land. But yeah. they're not bad enough yet. It's sort of like... Their wickedness they're is not pretty bad or something. It's yeah, not full or it's something. Not, yeah. So they're not yet worth destroying utterly, but... Soon. It'll get Give there. Give it another hot Give minute. Give it a minute. Yeah. But this is the thing that I think is that uh, also I was remembering how in... How um, 
Oh man, what's his face? Absalom. I was going to say Abimelech, but I'm like, not that one. Absalom. <laughs> uh, when he is trying to make a power move for David's kingdom, yeah. he sleeps with all the concubines on the roof. Yeah. And the whole point was an in-your-face disrespect that everyone can see. Right? Right. And that was counseled to him to do that mm-hmm. by, who was it? I want to say a hill, a Hillafell or a Hillafell or something, whatever. Somebody, somebody whose name I don't recall at this juncture counseled him to do that, saying, like, it will strengthen your hand because everyone will despise your, like, mm-hmm. like it's a power move, which is what, ex- what makes me think that it's more likely that this was like a rape of Noah's wife or something because oh, no. he Dude, goes no, no. because he goes out and tells his brothers and you think like why would he go tell them like if it was just a perversion accomplished to a drunk person why would but you also, go But also it was not a pri- what I'm trying to say is it was not a private perversion there's something about it that is like, now something. I've gone to tell my brothers. But when they go cover their father, you think, well, why would they do that if it was something more severe? Except for I think it was a symbolic, like there's a symbolic Well, they go in thing. backwards to cover it. But then when he wakes up, he knows what had been done. Yes. But so, when they, but that's why I think if it was his wife, she would I have do told not him. Know. But this is the thing is that they go in backwards and cover it's him up but I but obscure. I think my point is that when they do that it's like they're re- they they didn't go along with his power move do you know what I mean like if if that's what it was maybe hypothetically maybe. then he tells them I just did this they did not like later on it's when when whoever's telling Absalom to do it he's saying it will strengthen your hand like the men who are mm-hmm. it'll strengthen your you know right. whatever right. and they don't take him up on that if that's what it is they go honor their father well but then weirdly some people this is not in the text so it's not like no, you can ju- find this an is answer. Just speculating. Some people think that Canaan was his son through Noah's. They actually think that Canaan was his son through that weird incident. Who thinks that? Somebody. Somebody was telling you. There was an article about this. Unfortunate. Well, well, because you have because because Canaan is called. He is referred to as one of the brothers. At one point. One of the oh, original three brothers. He's like called the. They. I, it's not like super like. Oh, their because brother. The thing is, is if you just read it as Ham went in and sniggered in an uncouth and rude way, um, and, and then yeah. his son, just one of his sons, not all of them, just one randomly who didn't do it is cursed. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't work. Like that, it doesn't make sense as a story. It and does it not also, it also together. doesn't make sense why. Noah would come out of that and curse the son of... I mean, like, That's it was I mean. a very disproportionate. But it makes sense if he was... I don't think that Canaan needs to be the son of Ham to, for this to make sense. He is the son of Ham. He's called the son of Ham. Sorry. Noah's wife. I don't think it needs to be that. And it could have been his own wife's son. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, there More gonna... snack quests. <gasps> Woohoo! Yes, it's fine. No, shagging. Uh, so the the I'm saying it doesn't need to have been a child conceived in that moment. Yeah, right, right, right. What I'm trying to say is, if he was trying to take over as the ruler, essentially, hmm. at that time, then he would have been trying to take over 
for his, you know, like that, that would have been a new line of rulers. But him, he was not the oldest. He is not the oldest son. He's not. No, isn't it Shem? I don't remember because they all, you always say Ham, Shem, and Japheth. No, you say Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I always say Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Well, you say it wrong. Maybe. Um, But the point being that he goes, my point is that I, if it was kind of a political move, like I'm mm-hmm. going to take over and I'm now going to rule, right. and I shamed my father. Open your and, Bible. I have and, to find something. And uh, and I'm going to shame your father and, and, you know, whatever. And then the brothers don't go along with it. And then Noah rules him out of the... Well, maybe he was the oldest. Is that what you are going to ask? I was going to say, did he get cut out because he was the oldest? I don't know. I this is What were you going to look up? I was, <clears throat> was going to look up an earlier thing and tell you another random thing that somebody said. Um, it's in the earlier genealogy. So you in the pre Did you know what I think we've just done? We've spent like a whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Little known tidbits. We can get real whizzed up about the OT. Okay. Yeah. Take but us I to just, the OT for us to I get... have to tell you this because this is so weird. So um before the flood, you have um the Cain and Abel incident, obviously, very early on. Yeah. And then we're told um, Cain uh, goes off and he found cities and everything. Uh-huh. And he has this mark on him. And then Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after his son Enoch. And then you have Enoch and then Arad and then Mahujael and then Methushael and then Lamech. And then Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal, the father of all that dwell in tents and have cattle, and his brother Jubal, who's the father of all who handle the harp and organ. And Zillah has Tubal-Cain, um, who makes things in brass and iron. And then um, the sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. And she's just this throwaway, like, the sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. And we know nothing about her. Mm-hmm. And then Lamech has that random thing about, I've slain a man, and... If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold, which is like okay, and then that's the end of the story. We hear nothing more about Cain. That's just it. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son. Yeah. So presumably Cain's line was completely wiped out in the flood, right? Because Noah's descended yeah. from right. Seth. Um, and when it goes all the way down to that, and then it stops, then. You know, I guess yeah. we just hit the flood then or something. Mm-hmm. But we stop here with Lamech and his unusual family. <laughs> um, and you have Nama. But according to some old legend, like Jewish legends, um, Nama was uh, Noah's wife. Wow! Mm-hmm. Or well, the wife of one of the sons. I can't remember. It's not in scripture, so it may yeah, be way just off. Yeah, one of those. But... But it's like she's she's obviously brought up for some reason. Yeah, like you need to know about her. It's kind of like Dinah when when um the totally. Rachel and Leah huh. keep going around having sons all the time and the you're great, thinking the real <laughs> amazing baby race where yeah, you're like with Woo. The, the handmaidens and apparently everyone's having boys until randomly Dinah. And I kind of suspect that there were a lot of other girls in there. It's just that we mentioned Dinah because... Well, like, we don't talk about Adam and Eve's daughters. Well, but it's like Dinah... Yeah. We have to know about Dinah because later there was an important incident that surrounded mm-hmm. Dinah, you know. And so it's sort of like, oh, yeah, and Dinah also. And I kind of feel like Nama must have been that. Like, oh, and then Nama. But if you think about that, if there's any weight to that, which there might be zero whatsoever, but if there's any reason to think that, then that would mean Cain's line didn't get completely wiped out in the flood. 
That's interesting. I know. I, I what I was gonna say about Noah is also that it's not like they just got out of the it's not like they just got out of the ark and Noah got drunk. It's quite a no. ways after that. He's planted a vineyard and he's made wine. Yeah. He's, you know, into it. Which is part of why I think the political move is a possibility because there would have been a lot more going on at well, the time. Well, if you read some of the Mesopotamian flood myths, um, you have Udnapishtim is the name for the Noah character who made it through the flood. And then you have Gilgamesh who goes to find him and he's called Udnapishtim the faraway. Mm-hmm. And we're told in that version that he was the king of Shurapak, which is a city there in Mesopotamia. But of course... It's like, of course he would be the king. He's the father. You know, like... Yeah. So, Utnapishtim, in that story, Utnapishtim is the is the king in Shurapak before the flood swept over, which is one of those ancient cities. So, there's many things, though, in um, the Epic of Gilgamesh to not hang our hat on for... <laughs> there's a reason... <laughs> Uh, There's lots of reasons to find that it's not the most reliable historical document. It says Shem Ham and it's it just Shem says is Shem the is the oldest. I mean it doesn't say Shem is the oldest. Shem is just said first. Got it. And Ham is the youngest. No. What? Well Oh that's rad. Anyways. The well I know that it says in like Noah was 600 or something and he had Ham, Shem, and Japheth. So Shem. It's, no, it's always Shem, Ham. But I just mean we're not told like yeah. different birth years. No, I know, but they, but it does it in that. Rach, it is 47 minutes. We have spoken. Wow, guys. The patriarchs. Turns out we have a deep love of things <laughs> lost in the marginal details of Old Testament stories. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We could do it again, probably. <laughs> we can't repent of this one. So, so funny. Do you have a tip that's not OT related? <laughs> you said you had a tip. And I you did. Said that I was the one, only thing you had to say was a, your tip. Yeah, but I didn't know then that we were going to unleash ourselves on the on the patriarchs. <laughs> somebody had things to say. Um, somebody asked me to talk about a bread knife that I like because I make lots of bread. For cutting bread? I guess. Okay. I would assume that that's why. But I have one that's a long one that I ordered on Amazon. I thought you meant like a scraper earlier. That's why. Bench I... knife. I have a, That's my real tip. Oh. But I have Wustop knives. I have a good bread knife that came with my Wustop that is, okay. you know, set. That's whatever it is. It's probably eight inches or something. You know, it's like a decent bread knife. Okay. I, but I bought a bigger, like a longer good one that was like 50 bucks on Amazon, I think. And it was a, okay. but it's really a decent one and it's longer which is nice when you're slicing, slicing bigger harder loaves yeah. so you can like actually use your I really need sawing mechanisms yeah I need one yeah real bad. so that was a good thing but then the other tip is but you know you how I tell love us what knife it was I, hmm, I can't tell you the brand you just said oh I it got was, one but I think what I did is I looked up knives for on Amazon like best rated you know like the ones that had the highest reviews mm. for a bread knife then okay. the whole reason I did this is because I lost the Wustoff one for a surprising amount of time. <laughs> so I didn't have a bread knife. So okay. I ordered a new bread knife. And then, of course, upon its arrival, we found the Wustoff. Yeah. So I have um, those Tupperware bowls that I love so uh-huh. much. The vintage yeah. Tupperware fix and mix bowls. Yeah. And I have these plastic bench knives that I use whenever I'm mixing bread up. It's like what I use is a plastic bench you knife. You mix the bread with your knife? Yes, in my Tupperware bowl. Why? 
because it works so well. So, so you're not well. like kneading it. You're just stirring it with a bench knife? Well, yeah, essentially. I don't I don't need the you don't need your bread, do you? That you're putting I mean I do if I'm making like sandwich bread sometimes I need it, but not for my for the other ones I do folding, you know, like it's a longer technique. Okay. But just mixing the ingredients together. I okay. use the bench knife. Okay. And the reason is you can make it work almost like it's a like you're a mixer. Yeah. Okay. Like I start with it just in the middle, getting the okay. stuff wet, and then I will hold the bowl. But the bench knife fits very nicely in the bowl, so I use it like oh. a cutting motion, and then you scrape the whole side off, and then cut through the like I cut through oh. the dough and flip it up. It works really well. And I had this favorite bench knife. It was this plastic one that I use all the time, and but I would always lose it because it's white. And so uh, when you have a lot of stuff out in the kitchen and it was like white countertops and the yeah. white bench and it slides, <clears throat> oh, pardon, slides under things like under the oh. cookbook or under the, under you know, like the as toaster. it's like, yeah. yeah, or it would, I used it so often that I would usually be looking for another one. So now I am this person who has a stack of seven white plastic bench knives in the drawer. Wow. Ready to go. And so I never lose my bench knife anymore. Because there's no... It's not like a big space commitment. And I loved right. that thing. Like, it was always like, oh, I can't find it. Where is it? Is it in the dishwasher? Is it yeah. in the... You know, like that. Like, yeah. I just need that. So now I have six of them. Actually, now that you bring I think this it up, was like a $6 investment I made that really has improved my kitchen life. By just having multiple? Yes. It was like, I like that. Why do I only have one? Well, it's kind of like when I realized, why on earth do I only have one container of salt in my kitchen? This is stupid. Or or what about one set of measuring cups? Because yeah, how often no, do you I keep, need the same dang one multiple I times? I keep meaning to get multiples there, but I, I did put a thing of salt over by the mixer where I bake and then I have a thing of salt over by the stove so I'm not always running back and forth and like back and forth. revolution right there. I, I have know. I have a little the Marmite a cute little Marmite mm-hmm. container that you gave me that ceramic thing but I what I put standing in the Marmite thing is loose teaspoon measurements tablespoons and uh. teaspoons and I have more than one set and I can tell from the top from the size of the top mm-hmm. that it's a teaspoon or a tablespoon and and then you just keep I keep adding to those because I and I have like a two ta- you know an eighth of a cup is two tablespoons right so yeah. I have a eighth of a cup one for any time this is the other thing guys if you if you cook for lots of people often somebody gave me for our wedding a magnet that is on my fridge that is the measurement charter yeah. yeah and and so when I'm like six times in a recipe, so you're like, mm-hmm. that'll be 16 teaspoons of something. You're oh. like, I will just go look at the, at my converter so that I do things like a rounded third of a cup or a, like where I'm just like yeah. loosely, this is what we're going yeah. for. Well, I was doing all the ridiculous maths the other day because... I was doing a soup for soup night, which said it served four. The recipe oh, said it served like, four. So I'll do a simple times 32. Well, <laughs> I did like times 12 because I was thinking, yeah. I looked at the quantities. And I'm like, I feel like that's more than four. Like yeah. it looked like mm-hmm. it would be more well, than Well, like four. if you're starting with two so, onions, I hope. That well, it was one, you know. it was one onion, but it was still like, I was like, I feel like that's a generous yeah. four, but I was like, I'll go times 12. I started by going times 16 and then I was like. Nah, I think that's probably too much. I'll go times 12. So I do all the math. And yeah, you're getting into the point where you're like three quarters of a cup of paprika. So, you know, 
you're mm-hmm. doing that, and because you're you're going from the teaspoon measurement up to whatever. Yeah. And so, I do it. I start it. I get it going in my giant pot with the onions and the spices, and then I start adding all the broth. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing, this oh, is, we're gonna overshoot this word. by a long shot. I'm like within an inch of the top of the pot, <laughs> and I still haven't put in any chicken or beans or corn <laughs> or cream or anything. But you've already put in this all is of what the, happens when your times twelveing or any of the cheese. So I'm like ladling it all out into an overflow one, and I'm like, well, because the because the spices oh. are all in with the broth, then yeah. then it'll be fine. I can just take a bunch out. But then you're like. So now did I take out like a sixth (laughs) out of the pot? Like maybe a sixth. So now I'll cut down all of my other wildly inflated ingredients. Because now you're up to like, this is how many pounds of cheese to put in. So true. You speak the truth And I'm only going to put in five sixths of that amount. You know know what I think? What about if I just put a cup and a half of this and then dump what I perceive to be the right fragment back out? (laughs) What if? But then what happens is that you get to the end, you taste it, and you're like, mm, "This was fine. Maybe I should fine. put some Creole seasoning in this." <laughs> I, I think uh, I'll take this a different direction yeah. now that I got here. Now that I did all these things, I'm gonna now. No, the one that I made last okay. night was, was a sausage right. one, and I was not enamored of it the whole time. But mm. I think it was fine. But you know yeah. when you're like, nah. I can do what am I doing why did I do this nobody likes it I'm not sure I'll do this one again but everybody seemed very fine about it but it was still like okay that was weird yeah I was having the I was well often I have that feeling and last night when I was making I was four times in four times in the large scale roll recipe you know like you're Mm -hmm. like you're like I'll make two of those and this is another tip we're going over time yeah we are I make potato rolls. Amish potato rolls are awesome from King Arthur. They're really good. Okay. Really good. But the, they're very easy. Like, super easy. Okay. But the one thing that's not easy is the mashed potato. You need to have, like, a mashed plain potato, and the potato water is the best. Okay. So, if you use the smashed potato and the potato water. But, like, then you have to peel and boil a potato yeah. to make your roll. And yeah. when you're in a hurry peeling and boiling a potato to smash it is kind of tea and then I mean wait for it to cool down so I will just periodically grab a bag of potatoes peel them boil them mash them and then I bag them in the measurement of double potato rolls so it's a cup and a half of the potato water and I think it's a cup I don't know how much the potato is it's probably a cup and a half of maybe a both but it's a double recipe so in my freezer I have frozen bags of potato water and frozen bags of potatoes so when I'm in a rush like yesterday, I pulled two of the water and two of the potatoes and put them in a big Pyrex and microwave it. Nice. And then it is pretty quickly there. Awesome. And they're really good because that potato. Yeah, makes, no, they're really good. I that, can vouch for this. They're yeah, really and partway good. into the the episode last night, I realized I was out of all-purpose flour, so mm. we just went rogue with uh, half whole wheat white flour, and actually, it was really good with that. So oh, now good. I've tested that up. <laughs> tested that. All right, we've gone over. Well, guys, we're sorry we didn't get around to anything I guess, practical. I but... do want to point out though that we were both really tired, and we actually just <laughs> whizzed ourselves up about the pace patriarchs. Because <laughs> now I'm like ready to go, ready to go. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Yes, guys, you just got a real genuine. You just saw a little bit, a little bit too much of the truth of us. 
because that we was we may have overshared today. We might have because we, that actually is very like. Well, I don't know. Well, five sixths maybe. Uh, now that I'm on that fraction of the uh, phone conversations that we have, it's like Rachel. Let me tell today earlier. I was like, but the Elamites are all the way in Persia, and so I can't figure out why. This is this is probably why I'm feeling a burning urge to have a map somewhere. Like I'm like I, I can't know. keep up with these phone conversations without a map. I gotta get this because done. Because in your mind, you're like, okay, the uh, Mediterranean. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. The Mediterranean's on my left. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, guys. Oh, well, we sit on that with us. Okay. I hope you feel as energized as we do. <laughs> Tapping out before we hit the yeah, hour mark. All right. See next you later. Time we'll have something else. All right, bye. All right, bye. I'm a 2009 graduate of New St. Andrews College, and I'm a commercial property manager. Three kids at Logos, one at home still, and I do flowers on the side out of our house. When you have these little people that you're responsible to shepherd, you realize, I need to know what I'm talking about because they need to have a firm foundation and they need deep roots so that they don't get blown over and that they're ready to stand up for the truth. I am a programmer. The language aspect of NSA is a fantastic preparation for any sort of programming. I'm a real estate broker here in town. I think absolutely the perfect um, education for being in sales of, of really any kind. I actually put it to a lot of great use when I was working in the political realm. I am a pastor in Central Coast, California. Whatever vocation you take, it'll make you take that seriously because you're seeing it through the lens of the sovereignty and lordship of Christ. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu.